there's so many types of organizations across the value chain that's collecting that data, really sharing the data amongst the participants and then utilizing it in an effective way to ensure a positive and a consistent customer experience remains one of the biggest challenges. Welcome to the Insurance Innovators Unscripted, the show dedicated to innovation in the insurance industry. Each episode, you'll get a dose of thought leadership from the industry's top business minds, influencers, innovators, and executive leaders. If you want to transform your corner of the industry and exchange innovative ideas, you need to subscribe to this podcast. Now here's your host, Abel Travis. Hey everyone, welcome to the Insurance Innovators Unscripted Podcast, where we dedicate our discussion to insurance innovation. So today is the milestone episode, the 100th episode of the Insurance Innovators Unscripted Podcast. You know, when I started this podcast a couple of years ago, my goal was really to educate and inspire the insurance industry to focus their attention on innovating and transforming this space that does so much good for the world around us. Um, And, you know, throughout the last couple of years, I've had the opportunity to bring on a lot of guests that are actually getting their hands dirty and innovating this space in insurance, all the way from folks like Matteo Carbone, um, you know, uh, Timotea, Jap DeVries, uh, uh, and um, as well as folks like Daniel Schreiber and Sabine Vanderlinden and some others that, you know, have come onto this podcast to really talk about what they're doing, um, really to try to innovate and transform this industry. You know, over the past two years, uh, we've had more than 250,000 listeners of this podcast in terms of downloads and and streams, Um, and I I never would have imagined that uh, there would be that much interest in InsureTech and, frankly, insurance innovation within this industry. You know, so I am uh, really excited to bring you this 100th episode that was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Accord Connect conference. Um, You know, I I do want to thank the organizers of the Accord Conference, as well as the Accord CEO, Bill Pirioni, um, uh, who I uh, have also had on this podcast and had the opportunity to get to know over the years. So with that said, here we go. Good afternoon, everybody. I'd like to welcome you to our InsureTech panel. And my role is simply to introduce... Our moderator, Abel Travis. Abel is Vice President of Underwriting and Innovation for AF Group. And he's also the founder of uh, Insurance Innovators Unscripted Podcast, one that I listen to religiously, or at least faithfully. So with that, I'm gonna turn over the mic and everything to Abel Travis. All right. Thanks, Frank. Hey, uh, everyone, we have absolutely an exciting InsureTech panel that we're going to be talking through some of the ideas that our esteemed panelists have to talk about today. You know, uh, first, uh, you know, Frank, thank you for the introduction. So for those that uh, don't know me, I'm Abel Travis. As Frank mentioned, I run um, underwriting and innovation for a company called AF Group. Um, which is a, uh, a, an organization about $2 billion in size that's located in Lansing, Michigan. Um, I'm also the host of the Insurance Innovators Unscripted podcast. And, uh, you know, today is a milestone day for the Insurance Innovators Unscripted podcast here at the Accord Connect conference in this panel. 
we are recording the 100th episode. Um, you know, so that is uh, it's pretty exciting. You know, we, we talk to a lot of the innovators that are transforming the industry in this space. So um, I'm excited to hear, you know, what the panelists have to say as a part of this 100th episode. So I want to uh, make sure that we have, uh, that you all have an opportunity to get to know the panelists. So I'm going to introduce them. Um, Anrak Shah is the Chief Executive Officer of Arreus um, Analytics. Anrak, if you don't mind uh, taking an opportunity to introduce yourself and talk about your organization. Sure. Thanks, Abel. Uh, pleasure to be a part of your 100th uh, podcast. Uh, so Aureus Analytics uh, is a company that's focused on customer experience analytics, uh, looking at a lot of unstructured data to predict consumer behavior. Uh, you know, and we've kind of built an AI-based platform that helps, and it's focused purely on the insurance world and, and not something that's generic. So. Great. Thank you, Anurag. Um Jeff Toe, he's the uh, founder of SafeKey. Jeff, if you don't mind. Sure. Hey everybody, I'm Jeff Toe, uh, founder of SafeKeep, and basically we're a uh, business rule engine. Uh, we make it easy for business users to configure the rules for straight through processing, and we leverage third-party data as well as ingest unstructured data. Um, and I've been in the business for, uh, I started way back 20 years ago building underwriting systems, um, so I'm a little new to the industry uh, <laughs> compared to many of you. Good to meet you. Great. All right. Uh, Kiki Johnson, the co-founder of the Insurance Agent app. Yes. Um, we are a um, insurance agent app is a service platform in the form of a mobile app for the policyholder and a service platform for the agents. And what we're doing is creating a container for policyholders to have everything related to their policy and insurance in one place. Um, but also with the standards, we are trying to move from, we're helping move from two-way communication between the triangle of carriers, agencies, and policyholders to three-way communication. So everyone is in the loop as changes are being requested, policy information is going down, up updates are being made. So we're excited to be here. We're excited to be part of it. We were just on, did a great panel with what we're doing um, with microservices with the Hartford, and we're excited for what we're doing here. Awesome. Uh, okay, so Seth Zaremba, the founder of Beatomic. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, Seth Zaremba from Cleveland, Ohio. I have an insurance agency, a real live insurance agency, so uh, Zinc. <laughs> and out of that frustration was born Beatomic, which is um, agents owning and using data and aggregating it together, not just for their own benefit, uh, but for the benefit of carriers and customers. And so our platform allows agents to be makers of data um, and to aggregate and create scale around it so that they can change behaviors for customers and inform carriers. Great. Um, Wendy Ahrens Corman, the CEO of OWIC Global. Yeah, so good afternoon, everyone. My name is Wendy. Um, I am the Chief Executive Officer for OWIC Global. We are a microservices organization. We deliver value-added microservices to the insurance industry. So the value proposition that we have is that we either extend existing environments, all those investments that you've made, out to additional distributions. Uh, we also provide core uh, processing uh, via microservices technology. Awesome. And then also uh, Jim Robert, uh, Rogers, the AVP of Sales and Distribution Technology Strategy at the Hartford. Uh, so hi, I'm Jim. I work for the Hartford. We're a national uh, property casualty and group benefits uh, company. Um, I lead all of our digital engagements across the Hartford and um, working a lot with Accord and 
and uh, Kiki, so look forward to it. Great, awesome. All right, so I told you this is a, a panelist of esteemed folks here that have a really deep background, but you know, Kiki, I wanna start with you. Okay. All right, so you know, let's start with the policyholder now. You know, it would, if you don't mind, explain what types of policyholder needs are being addressed by your mobile platform and how microservice APIs are enhancing your ability to satisfy policyholder needs. Okay, well, the policyholder needs these days are I want it done quickly, I want it done fast, and I've been conditioned by everything else out in the market, as in Uber, Lyft, your, um, your airline app that you signed into to get up here is they expect to be able to ask for something and have it turned around and come back immediately. So what we're working on is creating that environment, that digital engagement for the policyholder, keeping the agent at the center point of communication and allowing them also to communicate with the carriers. So APIs have allowed us to do integrations with agency management systems where policy data down to the vehicles and the drivers is pushed into the app with auto ID cards and so they have it always available and always up to date on their phone for those services. The microservices are allowing us to extend, extend change requests where we'll be able to send the change request, the change request for mailing, which is what we were doing with the, what we're doing with the Hartford, right in the app. It then goes up to the agency. The agency has the ability to approve it. It then gets released and sent to the carrier. The carrier processes it, immediately sent back to both the agency and the policyholder saying that it has been um, processed. So we are working very hard on just making the whole digital engagement for the policyholder and for the agency and for the carriers easier and smoother. You know, I, I, I want to um, just shake it up a little bit because I know you're, you're talking about uh, sort of the policyholder and how it comes in the, the beginning of the value chain, but let's jump to the end of the value chain. So, so Jim, you know, you know, how will the digital microservice API standards that Accord is developing assist your technology team to implement those APIs within your organization and within, uh, with your agency partners, policyholders, and digital devices? Oh, I get the easy questions. All right. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, so we, we were looking at a, a strategy around service, excellence in service, and where we could excel. A lot of times at insurance carriers, we get endorsements from our agents' email. And like we kind of don't want to get any more via email. So we partnered with Accord, and, and um, it was great to have them actually take us through a logical way to think through some use cases like change address, change name, change mortgagee, change workers' comp payroll, and um, help us on that journey to provide excellence and to both of our agents and our insureds. So we were looking for a standard that would help us with that, but very small, little APIs. And working with Accord, we were able to, to do that and accelerate that uh, this year all the way through working with Insurance Agent App as our first one to actually process in real time uh, commercialized endorsements. You know, I think endorsements, we, a lot of times we start off in the SureTech world in quotes and leads, and, um, but endorsements is the number one transaction we have. So by far in volume. So it's interesting as we look for innovation and where to go and to work with our agents and our brokers, management systems, how can we streamline those processes and use a standard way to do it? So the standards really, helped us accelerate that. I think it also pointed out to us things that we could do better within our organization. Um, we learned a lot through that process. Um, I learned that, you know, Accord would give me 
open API version three, but I can only take two, but I kind of like three. Um, so, you know, we learn different, different things from trading partners and what we can expect as we start to, to partner with different partners across the industry and, and what their needs may be and how we can provide excellent service to both not only our agents and our insureds, but to also those startups or the developers that want to interact with the Hartford. Yeah, you know, so, so we are, we're using terms like microservices API and, uh, you know, Wendy. Um, I, I know not everybody uh, may understand exactly what that means. So, you know, if you don't mind, just in simple terms, you know, explain what a microservices API is, what they are, how they work, and why they're more cost-effective than older software design methods. See, I get the older software yeah, stuff. Because yeah, I'm yeah. older. Yeah. Can I just ask the group of how many people have microservices architecture today? And how many are planning on microservices architecture? Okay, just out of curiosity. So um, I think everybody understands the, the older systems that are out there, um, the huge investments that carries have made, which um, some people replace and some people don't replace. The hard thing about the older systems is, of course, the integration with those systems. Because they're so coupled, sometimes it's hard to break apart the pieces and integrate at a particular point in time in the workflow, right? At least with microservices, they're very loosely coupled pieces. And I'll give you an example. Um, we have, for example, a rating service, right, which is a microservice. But it's not a one microservice. It's, it's, a, it's a bunch of microservices that come together to create rating service. There's a rating tool, which would allow you to create the rates. There's a rules piece. There's the engine part of it. And then there's integration. All of those are small microservices that come together to create rating services. And because they are so small, they can, they can integrate with other systems at different points along the workflow. That's what the difference is. Microservices are very scalable. They don't have to be written in one particular language. At OIC Global, we have microservices that are built in Java, and we have services that are built in .NET, and they all work together. doesn't matter. Um, and also they're reusable. So when you, you, when you use a bunch of microservices together to create a solution, let's say point of sale or something like that, if you're using a user experience service, a rating service, a rule service, a document service, and an integration service to make that point of sale system, you could take the pieces of that solution and reuse them for other projects. And that's where we think things are going. So you, using the microservices, they're loosely coupled, so you can integrate with them at any part in the workflow versus having to integrate in a particular place or create code to integrate with them. So that's what, that's what that is. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So now, now thinking about what you do, Jeff, um, you know, in, in your organization, how do you see microservices, uh, microservice APIs contributing to the development of your emerging software solutions? And more specifically, how have you implemented them in what you've done? Sure, so um, I just got to point out that we're living in an unprecedented era right now. Um, I come from a world where um, a few months ago I worked for Salesforce building, um, selling software that was all about clicks, not code. And here I am in the sandbox like a kid in a candy store playing around with these Lego blocks. Because essentially to me that's what microservices are, they're Lego blocks. And your job as an IT leader, my job as a software developer or as an, an insure tech, is to come out with the best looking castle, the best truck to build out of these Lego blocks. Um, and the reason why I'm so excited about 
this day and age, and especially in the last uh, couple of quarters, is that um, we're seeing Lego blocks come out around three key areas that have just rapidly accelerated um, the go-to-market for insurtechs like myself and, and for um, my fellow members here. Um, the first is around um, data. There's just an unprecedented amount of third-party data that's available to developers, particularly in the commercial space. I've seen drone companies make aerial data available through APIs. I've seen workers' comp risk scores. I've seen cyber risk scores available to, to underwriters or, or to insure tech. So I'm just really excited about the kind of data available to us um, through, through microservices and APIs. The second is um, that the, the platforms themselves, whether it's a Salesforce or an AWS or an Azure, they've come a long way. Now, 20 years ago, um, I was building straight through processing systems. This is way back when iLog and Blaze were a thing, rule engines were a thing. Today, you, a common programmer, can play with ML, can play with AI technologies, and the only thing that you need to bring to the table isn't the kind of building the plumbing, it's the subject matter expertise. Working with your end users, figuring out what kinds of knowledge they have here that need to be codified in, in, in the rule engine, which is what SafeKeep is really focused on. And then finally, the third thing, guys like Jim. You know, um, we're seeing a greater willingness uh, among carriers to API-ify, if that's even a word. Sorry, Wendy, you can correct me. <laughs> Um, but they're, they're exposing their, their legacy back office capabilities and making them available to the insurer techs, to the AMS providers that want to connect in with these, um, with these back office systems. So all of a sudden, we could do away with forms. Why not just write directly into the quoting system, right? So the possibilities are endless, and believe it or not, these developments have happened in the last two quarters. Right, so I, I, I just hope that just provides a little perspective. You know, I'm just super excited about what we could do as an insure tech to bring product to market very quickly. Yeah, so, you know, Jeff, um, what you all have built um, and what you're doing as, as a part of your organization, I think, fits really well into how an agent might want to either partner with or engage with, with a company like yours, not only from the agent, but also on the carrier side. So, so Seth, you are the agent here on the panel, right? So just slightly shifting away from the microservices API for, for a moment, um, you know, not only are you an agent, but you're also a software developer with a passion for data. So, you know, as, as we look at, you know, data that's hidden within consumer uh, communications and other places along the value chain, you know, tell us why you felt the need to develop your NEON platform. Well, the whole thing, everything we're doing, this whole conference is, is gambling because we're all inventing stuff and doing stuff and there's no documentation of why it's actually useful or why it's not and the opportunities it creates. And that's because the independent channel has not armed agents with the ability to do that. Oh, we can manage policies all day long, when it expires, how much it costs and what the policy number is. But in terms of what the impact is on the customer, the agency and the carrier, that's a completely unmapped, unexplored ocean of data. And, and, and the agency management systems focus mostly on policy management and movement have just not gone there and yet that's what my business is and so taking customer interaction 
and leveraging it to change behaviors within my agency and inform my carriers is something I have to do to survive. Otherwise, y'all better have another plan for distributing because it's not gonna be agents. And so data is a means of scale. I'm an independent agent. I can't scale with anybody here on office furniture or rent or payroll or at benefits or any of that stuff. But we can scale on data. And so we set about the idea of thinking about how can we inform ourselves? Well, we don't make enough of it. So now if we could get other agents on a similar platform, aggregate that together and analyze it in the moment and provide insights that could change a CSR's actions or a producer's activity or a decision in the business that has clear benefits to the agent, certainly financial outcomes to the carrier, and most importantly to the customer, well, that would just be groovy. And so that's what we're doing is, is figuring out how to create scale around data and connecting agents together. And we figured out how to document that. And now it's structured. So we can tag on every interaction with our customers. We can tag what their impact was, what our agency was. And yes, we're actually recording and timing our carriers too. And assigning the appropriate liability, customer scoring, satisfaction, lifetime value to their behaviors, to agent behaviors, and also to the customers. And so the structure is an easy part. I mean, that's, that's something we've been able to solve pretty, pretty well. But we're also finding that there's a tremendous value in the unstructured data, too. All that spoken word, not just conversations with the customer, but conversations with your underwriter, your adjuster, the claims handler, the auditor. All of those things can be used and turned into insights that can be fed in the moment of truth when it matters to the customer. Those things can be turned into insights that make us sound and look like magicians. And I'm passionate about it. We have to be there. Yeah, so just you know, thinking about that, so there, there's a massive amount of, of data and information that's collected along the value chain. Um, and um, you know, Anrock, as, as we think about what your organization does, right? you specialize in helping insurance firms analyze the customer feelings as those that are expressed in the communications that Seth would be storing in the Neon platform that he just explained about. You know, so can what you're doing, when you, when you take machine learning and algorithms and NLP, natural language, uh, natural language processing, can they unearth customer sentiment from emails, text messages, phone call transcriptions, you know, any form of communication? So the short answer is yes. Um, but, but the real question in my view is also from the relevant information, right? So we can capture all of this in, you know, data from a variety of sources and the amount of data that's you know, coming in has really you know, grown exponentially and now we are talking of even aggregating from multiple agencies. So then we are making that even more richer and richer. What can we extract out of it, right? So yes, I mean machine learning, uh, AI can help us find trends and themes which, which were not possible to find earlier. Uh, what we've also seen is Traditionally, if you wanted to know what a policyholder thinks or what's their sentiment, you would go have to go out and ask them and, and run a survey or you know find you know tell them what do you think about us and how many of us like surveys right how many of us filled surveys here right um, so so we've kind of thought of it from an inside out so if we have all this data we should know what the customer thinks and not having to ask every customer every few days. How do you like it? Are you happy? Are you not? So we don't have to necessarily go out and keep asking that. And that's a very point in time situation as well, right? May somebody who's happy today may not be happy two days later, right? So we've kind of understood that and, and we built something called the centimeter, which is almost like a score of a customer sentiment, which can help us then predict what they're likely to do, find the trends and themes and 
you know, predict their behavior, et cetera. And the starting point is all the data that, that we have or we can get, uh, including external uh, data that, that was mentioned earlier as well. Um, yeah, no, I think that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, I, and so, so I do wanna, I wanna turn um, my next question over to everybody in the panel, just so we can really talk about this concept of data that's out there, microservices, APIs. Um, now, you know, when, when you think about the, all of the participants as a part of the insurance value chain, right, all of those participants collect data. It could be a company like Make You Safe, right, that's collecting data from wearable devices um, in a manufacturing facility to, to potentially try to mitigate the potential of, of injury to a worker. All the way through organizations like a data cubes, for example, that's aggregating vast amounts of third-party data that we could align with the underwriting process to, to better streamline the way that underwriting is done um, in a, a, a frictionless way. So there's so many types of organizations across the value chain that's collecting that data, but really you know, sharing the data amongst the participants and then utilizing it in an, uh, in an effective way to ensure a positive and a consistent customer experience that remains one of the biggest challenges that the insurance industry has seen, right? You know, there's folks in the audience, I'm sure, that, uh, that's facing that challenge on the day-to-day -day basis as you're engaging with these organizations that are collecting data amongst the value chain. So, panel, you know, I, I, I want to, uh, you know, just, just tell me more about uh, whether or not you think uh, microservices API and machine learning algorithms really help our industry uh, address this challenge that I just talked about. Start with you. Yes. And, <laughs> and we should be embarrassed. We, we should frankly be embarrassed for having this conversation in 2019. Of course it can. It, the fact that the independent agent system, the independent channel, got independence wrong 40 years ago is our problem. We let how we do business as opposed to why we do business become our independence. And so now we have thousands of people running out with their how they want to do business, and the lack of standards are embarrassing us in front of the customers. And I'm on the front lines. I'm talking to the customers every day, and we sound like fools. Well, hold on. You want to know something, something you can know anywhere else in your life? Give me three days, and maybe I'll shoot you an email. <laughs> Right? I mean, come on, this is embarrassing, and it's only gonna get worse, and so the answer is absolutely yes. We have to invest in these things, and we have to look at it cooperatively. The siloed ownership of all of this stuff, the secret sauce thing, is, is, will be the death of us, and it is time for it to stop. We must look at distribution the way everyone else does. Shared line of sight on the customer. Carrier, agent, technology vendor has to look at the customer as the ultimate reward, and we have to work cooperatively at it, or, or it'll get done to us. I think, if I may interject, to your point, I think the biggest opportunity with AI and ML is to provide more context around the data. You can't just do data and data insights for data's sake. I've talked to many end users, well, they'll, they'll say, like a, a risk score alone, or a propensity to buy score alone is completely useless to me, completely useless. Tell me how I act upon that data, and the only way you do that is to put that data within the context of the workflow, within the context of the data hierarchy. Which particular opportunity are we talking about? Which submission are we talking about? Which carrier? Got to be able to double click all the way down to provide context for that data. I think that's the biggest opportunity for, for AI and the use of ML. Would you da agree? Data is a four-letter word. 
Yeah, it is. It's info, right? Info is hey, what we're Hey, that could be on a shirt, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll share the revenue on that one. <laughs> Other panelists? I'm yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to add just one line. I mean, there's a very famous quote which says, you know, the winner is not the one who has the best algorithm, but the one who has the best data, right? So unless you have the right data and you've collected the right data, and most of them have data, it's in different formats, it's in different structures, unstructured data in emails, you mentioned phone calls, the voice, you know, social, there, there's all, all these unstructured data. How can you leverage it? Uh, that's going to be the real, real value. I mean, a lot of these algorithms we talk about, I mean, a lot of them are going to be available point and click and drag and drop uh, as, as we progress. Yeah, I think, I think on the, I know for us on the carrier side, right, we have like a, uh, pr project we're working on, like uh, customer hub, where we centralized all the interactions of customers across all the divisions of the hardware, whether they're group benefits customer or whether they're a property casualty customer, but from social, from different policies, from different interactions with our portals. Like, how do we as a carrier structure that and use that to our benefit and share it with our distribution? So I think we're on a, a journey. On that, on that. Yeah, yeah, eventually, yeah. Eventually. Through, uh, through, the, through APIs. Like, We've done a lot of it with um, natural language processing or inference engines to help our agents. So we actually um, uh, use it to monitor their profiles within the Hartford for agency automation. And when we see their profiles adjust, our natural language processing and our inference engines actually adjust their settings and send them alert messages out. Like, we think this is happening, and you should adjust your, your capabilities with the Hartford. This How long is eventually? Like, when is that in my hands? Well, we, we have that today. What but I'm a Hartford. I'm a, I sell Hartford. Yeah, like, yeah. Can I use that today? You can, that you have okay. on our portal and those uh, things, but we just released it like a couple weeks ago. I know, but on the portal is not the answer, right? All these APIs yeah. and microservices, it's the movement of your yeah. portal is awesome. I love it, but it's yeah. your portal. It needs to be in front of a CSR in the moment yeah. Yeah. when she's interacting, yeah, yeah, or it yeah, needs yeah, to be in yeah. front of a producer, and yeah. that's what we have to get. And I know yeah. that's where you want to get to. Yeah. Sorry, I get fired up about this it's stuff. All right. like, it's all good. But like, it's all good. It's a journey. But hey, journey. I mean, yeah. let's giddy up here, folks. We got to yeah. go. Aren't yeah. you assigning blame on the wrong person, though? Because you're using an AMS system that is hijacking, like holding your data hostage. And, and that's your primary front end. You're looking at your AMS system as that customer is on the phone. And you're asking him to feed you the data. Where, what is going to be your single pane of glass if it's not going to be your AMS or if it's not going to be his portal? Well, that's what B-Atomic is, but we, we agreed that AMSs that are waterboarding and it's not terrorism. So, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so we somehow decided that that, was, that met the ethical standards of usage. I, I would question it, but it, it, it's, it's not even the AMSs because there's some really good ones. I mean, uh, John from Varun is in the room mm -hmm. and, and, and they don't have that mentality. It's the legacy mentality associated with that's, it. That's what I'm referring to. And it's the to. freaking handcuffs yes. on me as a distributor and then my inability to get, to get with Hartford mm -hmm. And move it all into the right place. This is why able microservices and and these right. kind of connections are critical. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Critical. Mm -hmm. So on the, I'll say so on the microservices side, there's two sides to it. There's the there's the integration side, right. right? So getting down to the agency's data and bringing it up or wherever you have to bring the data for it. And and then there's the user experience side of it, right? The portal side of it. Yeah. And so that's where microservices comes in because you're able to create that single customer experience. 
integrating to multiple back-end disparate yeah. systems, creating a single user experience for whoever comes onto your portal. You can try an A versus a B and, and get, the, get the experience. You can integrate with your product to figure out what the experience is and how, how whether it's going well or not. And on the back end, it's the integration right. with, the, with the agency management system. So that's how you take advantage of microservices so that you have all these investments. You put microservices in the front to extend it and microservices on the back to extend it backwards, so. From the policyholder point of view, they don't care about all of this. What they know is that if they have their, their, their mobile app in front of them where they want to get something done and they submit a claim, they expect that claim to go out. And if they've sent it, they expect, they just assume that both the carrier and their agent are gonna know about it. So when they then follow up with the agent and the agent's like, oh yeah, that claim, hold on, let me find out about it because they haven't gotten the download or information about it. That's where microservices can speed that up and everybody yeah. is in the loop at the exact same time. So the agent is calling the client immediately and saying, hey, what happened? How can I be there? How can I help? And they know as much as the carrier knows. And that is key as far as the policyholder. We have to improve the experience for the policyholder immediately because of all this back end is going on, but it's not funneling down to the experience that the policyholder is having. It doesn't matter how great it is. It has to start with the experience of the policy, or it has to go all the way through to the experience mm -hmm. of the policyholder. Great, so, uh, so we heard a lot from the panelists here today, but I also wanna make sure that we can uh, open it up to questions from you, the audience. So uh, anyone with a question, feel free to ask. So is there any concern among the panel regarding the balance between the availability of data, which has privacy implications, versus the potential backlash, particularly a regulatory backlash, over the use of that information. I know some other countries have very strict laws over who owns privacy data, and that has impacted the ability to use that data for solutions. Is, is that in play at all here, or are there any um, strategies around how to create that balance? Yes. <laughs> You, you go into the storm. You don't run from it. it it's the boogeyman. If you're referencing the GDPR standards, which require a transaction, actually data and privacy is actually qualified under the GDPR when there's a qualified transaction or exchange of value. What do we do, folks? We exchange advice, services, and products. We are best positioned to use data. The California Consumer Protection Act that everyone's afraid of, it, 2020, it absolutely favors our industry because of the natural, real relationship that we have. This is the opportunity. And, and I'm so sick and tired, not of you. You seem very nice. But, uh, I, I, this boogeyman in the room of like, be afraid of the unknown. This is exactly the moment when the right and the righteous charge into the fight and define it. We are best positioned to win this if we have the courage. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. All right, so. Yeah. Hello. Yep. Said this is a mic. Uh -huh. Hello, this is a mic. Uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> Hi, Mike. <laughs> Actually, I'm Chandra. Uh, 
we heard about downloads, and many people are really sick and tired of downloads. So when are we abolishing downloads and going into microservices data exchange at your fingertips in a snap? Let's see. I think that one's me. Um, I think I think on the download side, um, what our strategy has been is to increase them significantly. I think over the years you've seen them like once a day. Like our claims, we send out to agencies hourly, 24 by 7, Saturday, Sunday night, middle of the morning. We keep sending it. Whether they can even take it all is amazing, right? Um, I think we are moving things faster and faster <coughs> to real time, and I think you will see us uh, a, probably a change to um, instead of a push, a pull. Like we'll expose APIs out that people can get things that they want on demand, as opposed to trying to populate the entire universe with all kinds of information that they don't use all the time. So I think you'll see us move to more of a on demand. Ask for what you want, and we'll give it back to you. But for now, I think our practical approach is to continue to speed up the rate because customers want it instantly. And right. we were just demoing that, like moving our endorsement requests to real-time process instead of two days, um, moving transactions faster. I think we all want to do that. Um, and I think we will move more to a you know, on-demand micro API going forward. So it's basically uh, abolishing the downloads uh, so as to like mimicking downloads as a real time. You're doing more downloads, more... Correct. More frequently. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I just live in like there is a lot of usage for like accounting integrations and things like we do with that. Um, they don't have to be daily. Those are like monthly commission statements, but we have some financial services that want them every day. So I think we're just, just trying to use this technology that we have to even get squeeze more efficiency out of it and speed things up. And then if we could, you know, move a, if we could move to more on demand via APIs, I think that's just a much cleaner process. Great. Any other audience questions? I have a question for the audience. So when Wendy asked how many of you um, are planning or have uh, microservices initiatives underway. I was quite surprised by how many hands didn't get raised. Um, curious to know what is the barrier? What's stopping you? Okay, we have. I, I can tell you what a barrier is because we're up against it all the time. So a lot of times it's just understanding the fit, and that's really what it comes down to. I've, been dealing with some you know carriers that I talked to their technology departments and they've been writing code in a particular way for so long and this is pretty much how it's been since the beginning of time when you're when you're out with a, a bag of new tools and and they don't necessarily understand microservices I think they're they're for some reason there's maybe they're just not spending time understanding what they are what the value proposition is and they're just used to doing it in a particular way so we have actually had in, um, the carriers that we've been speaking with, they've asked us to educate them on microservices. So what I've learned is that there is an opportunity for a lot of education on it. And you know, the, the question is, how are we going to get the information out? I, we have a chief innovation officer who develops microservices for us. He gets us the base products, and then we get them into production. 
um, and he's actually been spending time with people who are interested in microservices to, under, to get them to understand it. But there's got to be a better way, you know, more information that goes out there. And I think it's just we know what we know. Mm -hmm. you know it's a, that's what it comes down to, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, one last question. That's not a question, but it's kind of another answer to what they were just talking about. And that's the fact that <clears throat> a lot of our carrier executives uh, sitting up in their high offices don't know what's going on on the agency level. And they are saying, well, the agents aren't telling us they need this. And in fact, I've heard this several, from several people today, that uh, the agents aren't saying this because we've got so many agents with their head down and not looking up and seeing what's going on in the world. And so sometimes the agents are the problem and the high exec, and they don't meet in the middle. And I think that's a big part of it, that we don't, we're not getting the right message to the right people. Yeah, the right people aren't talking. Right. If you think about it, there is a game going on, right? So the, the top 20% is borrowing money and they're, they're using M&A strategies to solve their issues and they're aggregating and they're having these solutions around volume, right? And the bottom 20% is aggregating around aggregation, right? So you're taking a bunch of small individual units and you're systematizing and creating standards with technology and process and that's how they're creating scale. But that's 40% of the marketplace. 60% of independent agents have no methodology of scale. And this is the opportunity. This is the moment where you can leverage a significant portion of your distribution channel the right way and, and make them as capable, no more capable, if you can have that conversation. And so agents need to be less naggy and know what they're asking for, and carriers need to be receptive to it. Because make no mistake about it, this will either be done to us or by us. And I would prefer the latter. Great. Sorry. No, it's all right. Uh, just, just, I guess, another question. Uh, I, I guess it's culture mm -hmm. uh, and the legacy systems. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, looking at the landscape for the legacy systems, it's like, oh my God, how do I do this? How do I transition to uh, microservice? And I guess a lot of the uh, effort ends up in, you know, in failure because you end up with microservice running in, you know, not in parallel with the, the legacy systems, and then you stop that. And I guess the culture, it's like, although you want to move to microservices, it's always, oh, I need to build like 10,000 microservices. No. Yeah. So uh, I guess that's a lot of the question is, um, what are the uh, like guidelines and advice you can give the group on what's the best transition to microservices? Okay. So, I mean, I can... You want to go? Yeah. Okay. So. So the thing is that microservices are used to extend the legacy as much as it is to create new solutions. So I think you have to look at it as um, another set of technologies that will help you grow and get to new distributions, right? So think about like if you're using personal lines automobile and then there's the internet of things and you're going to have some sort of a device in a car and you want to interact with that device so that you can underwrite for a policy, you know, for the next, the next year. That extending that legacy environment to that IoT is microservices. So finding those microservices that will do that will get the data, bring it in, and then you can use it in your legacy, right? So it's not a necessarily a replacement. That's the thing. 
You know, there's millions of dollars that have gone into these legacy systems, and there's a lot of them out there. And even the small ones, at least were small at one time, and now big legacy systems like Duck Creek and Guidewire and Instech and all that. So you can continue to use those. You just have to look for the microservices opportunities to extend them. And then again, the other rule of thumb is that when you start to engage with microservices, that you can replace them. They're easy to replace. So if you have an integration service and you want to replace it with a different one, you can replace it. They're, you know, they're reusable and they're replaceable. So you know, there's, it's more of a, like I said, it's more of an extension than it is a replacement. So you have to look at it that way. So the good example is that user experience service um, that extends legacy out to that single user experience. So you're using those legacy APIs, microservices, single user experience. So, If, if I could add maybe just one quick point to this. Um, if I were you, I would reframe this as a business conversation as opposed to just a technology conversation. The very term microservices sounds intimidating to a line of business exec. You say microservices, they'll, they'll run out of the room. Um, but if you reframe it in terms of this is about innovation and, and um, being agile and building out use cases that meet your business needs, that will create a greater sense of urgency. And then when you want to double click on the whole idea of microservices, it really is about the business that I'm in, which is business rules. Right? How do you make these business rules reusable across multiple use cases so that we could build this stuff and meet the needs of these policyholders faster and the agents faster and, and meet those demands? So I, I would recommend reframe it as a business conversation first to create the urgency before you talk about technology. I think uh, great, great comments to wrap that up. So you know, why don't we just quickly give the panelists a round of applause? I think this was a great, great discussion and great conversation. You have to give yourself a round of applause too, right? <laughs> no, and um, I, so I know you all are probably gonna want to continue the discussion with the panelists, and I know we just had a short amount of time here today, so uh, they will be here uh, for a couple of minutes to just to continue that discussion um, with you all. So once again, thank you. We do appreciate uh, you coming to listen to the panelists uh, as a part of the InsureTech panel, and um, uh, hopefully you are, are enjoying the, the conference so far. So thank you. Hey everyone, thanks again for listening to the 100th episode of the Insurance Innovators Unscripted Podcast. There are 100 episodes for you to gain your thought leadership around what's happening in terms of transforming this insurance industry. Recommend this podcast to your colleagues, to those that are looking to really learn about transformation and share this on social media. You know, so once again, thank you for listening and I'll see you next week.